So the big question is this. How do veterinarians like you, who live demanding lives, who never seem to have enough time, able to achieve balance and take control of your finances with confidence? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. We are Florida Veterinary Advisors, and this is the Smarter Vet Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Smarter Vet Podcast. This is one of your co-hosts, Tom Seco, financial advisor of Florida Veterinary Advisors. For those of you listening for the first time, we're excited to have you here. Uh, Make sure if you haven't subscribed to our podcast, go to our different channels, uh, either through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen and sign up. And all the time, what we're trying to do is bring more value to you other than just having CJ and I talking all the time. We want to make sure that we bring other industry professionals out there, other veterinarians and other people that work with veterinarians into the mix of everything. And today I'm joined by a uh, becoming, I would say, close friend of mine over time. Uh, She is an assistant director of recent graduate initiatives at AVMA, and she helps students that are graduating transition into the veterinary profession. So I'd like to welcome Dr. Marcy Kirk. Thanks for joining me here today, Marcy. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, I know it's been uh, it's been a long time. We've been trying to get to a part of doing this podcast, and uh, I know I've had the pleasure of already being on yours. So I think it's kind of returned in the favor now, almost. We'll see. After my answers about finances, you may regret asking me. Um... Uh, I'm sure it's going to be good. <laughs> well, I would like for if you could for people that are not familiar with who you are, I think it would always be good if you could share about like a little bit about your journey through veterinary medicine and how you ended up where you are. What could you share about yourself for us? Yeah, so uh, I am a pretty typical story as people who maybe have listened to my veterinary life podcast, we ask people how they become interested in veterinary medicine. And a lot of people say, since they were very young, and that was the story for me, my whole life, I can't remember a time when I didn't want to become a veterinarian. So I'm a 2011 graduate from the University of Illinois. So coming up on 10 years uh, since graduation, And I was in small animal private practice for five years before I transitioned um, to my role at the AVMA. And I really enjoyed practice, but I sort of hit a point where I was feeling kind of stressed out and not sure what I wanted to do next. And so I spent some time reflecting on what I liked most about my job. And I liked the impact that I had. And was just kind of researching opportunities. And I saw something at the AVMA and I thought, wow, talk about having impact for the profession on a national level. This is the place that I could do that. So I applied thinking, oh, this will just be good practice for when a real opportunity comes up. And I got the the job and started in July of 2016. Wow. That's that's really exciting. So I've, I know a lot of veterinarians that we have talked to as well. They've gotten a part in their career as they're working. It's they love working with animals. However, just the constant grinding all day long of having to see so many patients, they they feel that same way too. Have you been? I mean, I'm guessing from not being in the veterinary, working with animals anymore, do you miss it? Is that something that you kind of wish you were doing still? Yeah, that's a great question, and definitely I miss it. And I will say, you know, especially with um, everything that happened in 2020, most veterinary clinics are at capacity and need help. So I am able, and since we haven't been traveling as much to do some relief work. So I go and do some shifts at one of my friend's clinics when they need me. Um, and so, I mean, it only translates to maybe four or five times a year, but I'll work a Saturday and I love it. And one thing that I learned is I'm very type a love schedules, you know, and so 
I, their clinic is a walk-in clinic. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, that's not going to, that's going to be really stressful <laughs> for me. But actually it works better because there's no schedule to blow up. Like you just see things in the order they show up and it's, it's fantastic. So um, that's one thing that I think is so cool about veterinary medicine is that there are so many opportunities and ways to challenge yourself that you learn so much about yourself. And I, I just think that there's a place in this profession for everyone. So it makes me really excited. That's cool. Yeah. Definitely getting back out there and being able to see animals again and do you have that opportunity. I love how relief has become a big thing over the last few years. So now people can pick up shifts as they want to and everything else. So I'm, I'm curious if you could add in though, where did you choose to go to school for your degree? So I went to university of Illinois and, uh, I am an Illinois, I've been in Illinois my whole life. So that's actually a question they asked in the interview process is why Illinois? (laughs) And one of my top answers was, well, in-state tuition is a big deal. Um, So that's probably, that's probably the best financial decision I've ever made. (laughs) So um, that worked out really well for me to go. Um, I had been there for undergrad as well. Um, And so then I just carried on into veterinary school. I'd applied to other schools, but uh, University of Illinois is where I was accepted and luckily in state tuition. Right. You stayed in that area as well, right? I did. I, I practiced in that area. Uh, the whole time that I practiced, I was, I was in Champaign for most of it. Um, but I spent a little time South of it. Cause I actually grew up an hour South of Champaign. So I was a very central Illinois rural girl. And now living in Chicago, again, that's another one of those things I never would have thought I would do, but so thankful that I had this opportunity. And it's, it's amazing again, where this profession can take you. Absolutely. Well, thanks for sharing all that about yourself. And let's, let's shift over here a little bit to the, the, a little bit more of the topic of conversation today. And I think it would be around the students becoming veterinarians, I think is a big thing in your role within the AVMA. And when you look at from a lot of students that are actually looking to transition into the getting a job and working somewhere, what do you see is one of the biggest challenges that they have? So it's hard. I, I feel a little bit of imposter syndrome because I think I've talked to you before. And, and when we spoke with my co-hosts that neither of us are really what we would call financial savvy, like financially savvy. Um, but just from my experience, I think one of the challenges is educational debt in our profession is a huge thing that affects a good majority of students mm-hmm. and it just feels fake it to me i mean it feels like fake money you know until usually in october whenever your payments start up after graduation and so because it's fake many of us and i there are plenty of people that have a sound plan but many of us didn't really have a plan and we just kind of try to figure it out and flounder a little bit so i think realizing that all the decisions you make, you know, throughout veterinary school have impacts and then making a plan that feels comfortable for you and the lifestyle that you, that you want to have. So, um, that's what I think is a big struggle, right? Veterinary debt is definitely becoming a huge thing. And I know it's a huge topic of conversation, especially with the, the shift of, uh, the shift of power and the government and everything else and what's going to happen next and forgiveness and repayment. Those are big conversations we have all the time. And I, I will say it, it does get to a part where there are, there are these large sums of money. And then sometimes I would say some people feel almost despair. They feel like almost like, what am I going to do with this? It's so large, that, that fake money that you're talking about. 
So with all the initiatives that you're doing with an AVMA, you know, what are some of the things that you're actually helping a lot of these students that are transitioning? Like, please share with us a few things that you're doing. Yeah, well, I can't take credit for a lot of it because a lot of times I'm amplifying the efforts of my colleagues at the AVMA. So some people don't realize that we have an office that's in DC that works directly with legislature and um, advocating for the profession, such as, you know, making sure they're aware of the educational debt we have and and trying our best to um, just make an impact on people in a positive, positive way so that we can continue to do what we want to do, which is help animals, help society. Um, So I pulled together a lot of those uh, resources and kind of amplify the efforts that you know, so that those people can focus on working with legislature and we can amplify and talk about what they're doing. So we promote a lot of that um, and opportunities for people to sound off. Like, here's an issue that's going in front of Congress. Like, let us know what you think about this so we can make sure that your voice is heard. Um, and people don't always realize that they that their voice can be heard. Uh, so making sure at an early stage in their career that you understand that your voice does matter, um, especially in the veterinary profession and in general, pretty well respected. Um, and so they want to hear from us and they want to take our, um, needs and our thoughts, um, into account whenever they're making these laws and bills and and all of that. So, um, that's one thing. I mean, we talked about it earlier, but, um, I co-host a podcast, uh, every, a week with uh, Dr. Anna Reddish, who is on our student initiatives and career initiatives um, part of the AVMA. And what I think that has a great impact is we're sharing people's stories and again, opening up the profession to see how many possibilities there are. So you don't feel trapped, whether that's some people feel trapped geographically. Some people feel trapped that clinical medicine is the only option for them. And some people, as, as you said earlier, you know, they can feel that burden of finances and they're like, I'm not going to find a better opportunity to get out from under these finances and, you know, just all those things. So we, we address all of that through people's stories. Um, and I think that has a big impact just hearing what our colleagues are doing is, is really important, but all kinds of things, you know, um, I work closely with Dr. Jen Brandt, who's our director of member wellbeing, and we work on all kinds of resources and part of wellbeing is finances. So I do uh, buckle down and, and focus on that sometimes too. That's cool. So we're looking at the part of AVMA being over here, working in DC, basically fighting on behalf of all the people who are in the veterinary profession, especially I would say the the new ones, especially who are getting in in the practice. And then your podcast, I think I I will say I've listened to several episodes and I definitely think it's a tremendous resource for veterinarians out there. Uh, You know, what what is a, a recent project that you all have been working on when it comes to something for the students? So we just, we've done it two years now and each year we've tweaked it a little bit, but we have made these books that incorporate, they, they focus on three areas and um, that we kind of feel like the AVMA can really help people, which is career, finance, and well-being. Hmm. Um, Cause we've got our whole economic division that really helps us with the studies um, on the state of the profession and, and things like that. So we, we have resources that we want to share and thoughts, but how do you meet people where they are? And part of what I like 
through the podcast and things is sharing again, people's thoughts and stories. And so we also put a call out to recent graduates and gathered quotes and stories from them, humorous ones, anecdotes, lessons learned. And we sprinkle that throughout the resource and we actually mail the graduating class, a copy of the book. Um, and you know, Ideally, you would make one that could be reprinted, you know, year after year, because a lot of the information is the same. But, you know, 2020 looked so different Mm -hmm. that we had to kind of update it. And so it was really fun to then go out and get new stories um, to share with everyone and sort of repurpose the old one as a a different resource. So um, that's been a really fun project because I I get to gather the stories and quotes and advice. And I'm always thinking, hmm, I get to learn something as well. So that's uh, cool. I'm really proud of that one. How many students do you typically send them to? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I want to say somewhere between two and 3,000. Wow. Um, I might be a little bit off. As I said at the beginning, numbers and finances are not always <laughs> strong point. <laughs> and usually if I need to be exact, I'll have it written down in front of me because, um, of but I think that's somewhere around that number sounds about right. That's a tremendous resource, especially for, I'm assuming that a lot of them are part of the membership in some way or another, the students that are receiving it. Yes. Yep. Okay. So for anyone who is listening, if you want to get a hold of this information, make sure you join the student membership over at AVMA. That would be a big thing for you to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, So like, what would be a piece of, let's say, advice or suggestion that you would have for people who are listening right now? What could they do as they're looking to transition to becoming a veterinarian? So I'm taking this from financial advisors such as you and uh, my husband's in finance. And so I think to someone like me who's not financially minded, it seems very overwhelming to start. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know where to start. This is not a skill set I had. This is not a skill set I ever focused on. Um, and so I think the best piece of advice I received through conversations is you know, if you don't even know how to set a budget, just start tracking your spending for a couple of months and use that as a groundwork. And then you can start looking at resources that you guys have on your website that are you know, often free of charge to, to set up what a budget could look like. And if you're still lost, then yeah. ask for help, find someone that, um, can help you that you trust, um, in, in the financial world. Um, but I think starting by tracking is easy enough and you can kind of shine a light on, Oh, you know, wow. Amazon really bumped up there <laughs> for the next last couple months or, um, if it was me, it'd probably be, you know, chewy or, uh, you know, dog training or things like that. So, um, I, I tend to spend a lot on my pets, uh, for toys and things like that. Don't so, we all, you know, just tracking that. So you ha- even have an idea. And then again, you can, uh, you know, put a budget to it as some guidelines. So I, I think that would be my piece of advice. Um, and then from there, you know, you can start breaking it down because those are the first steps. And then thinking about, you know, retirement, um, thinking about those bigger purchases that you'll have that baseline there. Or if you're on an income-based repayment plan, thinking about that tax forgiveness and how you're going to pay for that, you know, that all seems overwhelming when you just look at it as big, a big chunk, right. but if you start kind of small and in my mind, it helps, um, a little bit. And just to reiterate, then surround yourself with people that can help you. Of course. I would say, especially being in the veterinary medicine, that 
uh, a lot of veterinarians that I've noticed that we've worked with is that they tend to hold a lot of it to their chest for a while and try to figure it out. And then eventually, hopefully at one day, they finally realize, hey, there are people out there that can help them. And then they kind of let it go. So I think that would, you're giving some great advice here. And I did want to throw in here as well. Costco is a big one that I've noticed from spending. So if you have a Costco membership, I will say my wife and I, we walk up and down those clothes aisles and like, you like, oh, there's a new t-shirt. There's new shorts. By the time you know it, you're walking out of there for a few hundred dollars and you're like, what just happened? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that is so easy to do, you know, yes. because you're like, I'm actually, I'm saving money. I, my, this is something that I had to learn from my partner. Um, you know, I'm like, look, we could buy this and save this. He's like, but were we going to buy that anyway? So it's not really saving us if we weren't <laughs> going to buy that. Yep. It's, it's totally true. I actually have been telling my wife too, every time I go in the Costco, I'm like, we're just going to go in there for what we need. Right. That's it. That's we're just going. <laughs> She's like, okay. And then of course something random gets thrown in the cart somewhere because they change their products all the time. You know, I mean, so I get it. I get it. That's there's a reason I'm not in charge of our grocery shopping. <laughs> That's too funny. Well, cool. Uh, well, on a, on a whole different note here, uh, I, I would love to ask you this question. I'm actually going to throw a different one at you here. Uh, if you were an animal, what animal would you be? I, that's a really good question. Uh, I was all ready for my favorite food. <laughs> um, so I think, are we talking mythical? Okay. I'm going to be it, totally It could be anything you want. I mean, I was actually just reading a book called, I think it's pronounced Circe. It's about Greek mythology. So, uh, I mean, you could be, you know, the, a dragon or something, you know, I don't know. Whatever. I, well, I love dogs. Um, and if, <laughs> So I love my, you know, my dog and I think it's so fun, but I would be a dire wolf. Um, I, so I I did watch game of Thrones, but Mm -hmm. also we went to the San Diego zoo and they had a, like a statue of a dire wolf and just this giant dog. I'm like that. I, I would, I would have one. I would be one. I think that would be really, really cool. Yeah. Those things are huge in the Game of Thrones as well. I mean, they're literally like a horse almost. I don't think they got enough screen time if we're going to go into the Game of Thrones thing. I mean, I know the dragons took a lot of CGI, but I just feel that the the direwolves could have gotten a little bit more attention, but I digress. I know. Definitely. It's it's sad. However, you know, I, I think they're trying to do some like runoffs of the show. Maybe the, maybe the dire walls will make a, a, a reappearance. There's only two left according to the show. I, I read the books. I read the first two books, but. Gotcha. Uh, I didn't, I didn't read any of them. I just watched the show. I think I started watching after like season three. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I missed all of the character outlines, yeah. but. Prime okay. dire wolf time is really season one. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Well, cool. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you being here. Thanks for sharing all of your insights with me today. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, this has been great. For all of you who are listening right now, I'm, I'm sure if you want to reach out to Marcy, there's a best way for you to contact her. I'll let her share with you what would be the best way if you want to get in touch with her. Yeah, um, email is definitely the best. Uh, you can email me at mkirk. It's m-k-i-r-k at avma.org. So. Perfect. I'll make sure for anyone who didn't get that as well, I'll make sure to include it in the podcast description. Uh, and also just to kind of tie all this off, I have some really exciting news to share with everyone. Uh, we're always trying to provide more resources for people. And as of uh, the beginning of 2021, we released our first financial planning video mini series, which is absolutely free for anyone who wants to watch it. I'll also include that the link to the video series below. 
Uh, and if you haven't written us a review for our podcast, we could really use some of your help. Uh, you know, go to our Facebook page or go to, if you listen to Apple Podcasts, write us a review. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, but for now, wishing you a lifetime of financial success. Don't forget to visit our website and sign up for our newsletter. By subscribing, you'll be the first to know about upcoming race-approved CE webinars, podcast releases, short presentations, and articles that we publish. Make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on LinkedIn, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. CJ Burnett and Tom Seco are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, and financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. CJ Burnett's and Tom Seco's California licenses are 0K79676 and 0K80141, respectively. Security products and advisory services are offered through Park Avenue Securities, LLC, a registered broker-dealer, investment advisor, member of FINRA and the SIPC, and a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Florida Veneer Advisors is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. This podcast is for information purposes only guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Florida Veterinary Advisors, and opinions stated are their own. This material is intended for general use. By providing the content, Park Avenue Securities LLC and your financial representative are not undertaking to provide investment advice or make a recommendation for a specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. The individuals associated with Florida Veterinary Advisors do not maintain specialized licenses or qualifications for the financial services provided to veterinary professionals. Florida Veterinary Advisors is not registered in any state or with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. Submission number 2023-151972 expires March of 2025.